Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Courtside with Beelins and Senna's part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. We are privileged to have with us on a former All-American from the University of Illinois. He was the number one ranked junior in TennisRecruiting.net coming out of high school. He won a state championship as a sophomore going 32-0 before opting out of high school tennis and playing on the national scene. He played on the Pro Tour for several years and had a career-high singles ranking of 345. He's now working outside of the tennis industry, which we will touch on in a second. But please welcome to the pod, Dennis Navolo. Dennis, thank you uh, for taking some time today, walking us through your journey, man. Yeah, Dave, thank you so much. Uh, you know, I don't get to talk about uh, my tennis journey too often. I think about it a lot, but uh, I don't get to do a lot of interviews like this. This is, this is neat for me, and I, I appreciate you having me on here. Hey, man, well, you got a ton of great experiences, so we're going we're gonna to hit on some of those uh, experiences in a bit. But as I mentioned, you're now working outside of the tennis industry. You're in the commercial real estate field. Why don't you give a heads up to everyone who, haven't, who hasn't heard from you in a little while and talk about how you get into that and uh, give some details on what you're currently doing. Yeah, so uh, currently what I do, I work for a company called uh, Bespoke Commercial Real Estate. We're located at uh, 444 North uh, Michigan Avenue, looking over the Wrigley Building. So I got a nice, I'm spoiled, I got a nice, uh, nice office space that I'm working in. I uh, really help businesses to ensure that uh, they're getting the best economic deal with regards to their lease terms. So something totally different, something I thought maybe, uh, don't know if I ever thought I'd uh, be pitching uh, myself as a real estate broker, but uh, it's been a really uh, unique experience so far. Obviously, it's a crazy time right now for a lot of different industries, but um, yeah, I, you know, I kind of, uh, I got into it because uh Basically, when I was when I was coaching, I was kind of trying to find myself. I had actually met uh, I had met with a lot of people that uh, had been that are in the commercial real estate industry, and they're all people that uh, I really like being around. Uh, they were smart, they were fun to be around. It seemed like good culture people, and I thought, okay, let's you know, let's try to give this a shot. And I you know I left Orlando and uh, was in Chicago and got my real estate license and interviewed with a lot of different firms and. Uh, tennis is, is a big part of the reason why I was able to land the job that I got. My, um, uh, my mom's accountant, uh, said, Hey, I got this tennis buddy. He wants to get in the tennis industry. Will Dennis talk to him? And, uh, essentially what I did, I said, yeah, I'll talk to him. I'll try to help him out. And, uh, he said, Hey, uh, you know, what are you up to now? And connected me with, uh, my boss, Peter Billmeyer at Bespoke. Uh, Peter's wife was actually a top four player, uh, in the country, uh, in college, she played for Vanderbilt and, uh, respected my resume and what I had accomplished and gave me a shot. So tennis, uh, I guess helped me out in the end. So awesome for sure, man. It'll never leave you no matter what you do. So let's kind of yeah. start back at, from the beginning. I mean, you have an interesting family dynamic. There's actually one other person I know who I work with, um, who he's the father and he has two sets of twins. Now, you have a twin. You also have two older siblings that are also twins. So um, very interesting, uh, pretty rare. Now, I know Jeff is not your twin. He's older. He's into tennis. He's coaching at SMU, the women's team. Talk yes. a little bit about um, your family background. If, if, was it just you and Jeff that started to play? Did your parents play? How'd you get into all this? Yeah, so it's funny. I don't actually remember the first time that I played, but apparently uh, 
my older brother and my dad uh, went to the courts and uh, I, I guess I was hooked. I, 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 you know, I hit with them once and it was like, man, this was the coolest experience I've ever had. And, uh, but one thing I do remember is that uh, after I played, I was obsessively hitting tennis balls against my garage for four or five hours a day. So uh, I definitely found uh, an obsession and a passion uh, probably around, I was probably six years old. So it was a no brainer that I was going to play tennis. And it's not that I didn't try to play other sports, uh, but when I played baseball, I thought, you know, what the, I'm sitting around half the game. You know, I needed the guy, I was the kind of guy that needed that constant activity and and tennis was that uh release for me so uh my twin brother uh did not like sports so we were about as opposite as they come uh but he's uh, very gifted in other areas it could be architecture he's an amazing dancer so he's a little bit more um arti uh, artistic than i than i was his different interests uh and then my sister she swam she didn't she didn't really like tennis uh, but she's, you know, doing an excellent job. Uh, she's in Dallas as well. So we all have different interests and, uh, I'd say we're all doing pretty well. So how old is, how old is Jeff? And that would be your sister, right? How old are they? Um, how much older are they than you? Uh, so they're about four years older. Okay. Gotcha. Four years older. So yeah, as soon as, uh, as soon as they left college, uh, my twin and I, we entered. So got it. You just missed. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about your, your junior career, which was phenomenal you you went to warren township high school you played high school tennis freshman and sophomore year you played for uh, anyone and you know i'm a chicago guy anyone involved in high school tennis knows your coach um, the legendary coach greg Cohn. Uh, you were the 2006 ihsa state singles champion uh, you went 32 and 0 first team all state obviously you were a national high school all-american um, you earned a top 10 usta ranking in every junior age group you were the 2005 Junior Player of the Year. 2007, you made the finals uh, appearances in the USTA International and national levels three different times. Uh, you won the 2007 USTA National Open in Tampa, Florida. Um, I can go on and on here. You won a big title with Bradley Klon, who uh, played at Stanford and is still competing on the Pro Tour. You also, I know, had a, had a funny experience you want to share in one of the one of the years in Kalamazoo. So, there's a lot to unpack here. I'm just going to let you roll with it and uh, talk about some of those cool uh, highlights you had. Yeah, it's funny. Um, you know, I'm one of those people that uh, I've never really been obsessed with my accolades at all. I just, I'm one of those guys that I really just love to play tennis. Like I said, when I was six, I was bashing balls against my garage. So when you, you bring up a, a lot of these, uh, you know, the, these events and things, um, they're obviously, uh, I would say a few that stick out would be that 18 spring nationals where, uh, you know, Bradley and I won doubles. Uh, I believe I beat Bradley in the finals of that tournament, uh, as well. So, I mean, look, it always feels good to, to win a national tournament and, and feel like your hard work is paying off. Uh, but I would say, uh, the fact that I won, uh, you know, 12s hard courts and then was able to continue to win national tournaments in the 18s, um, I think that just kind of shows that, uh, I was a pretty good tennis talent and I was able to win at, at pretty much every level. So, uh, now as far as Kalamazoo goes, why, you know, it's funny, uh, that match with Meister is interesting because it was the first time that I had cramped 
in a match and I'm on stadium court, center court of Kalamazoo. Uh, I got Mark Bays in the crowd, you know, cheering me on, trying to get me through this match. And, uh, and there was some drama, obviously. So I'm on the ground. My, my hamstring is fully locked up. I can't move. And I'm just thinking, how the heck am I going to play? And the adrenaline is just, when you, when you have a major muscle cramp like that, your adrenaline is just pumping. And, um, I remember uh, I got up, uh, it was near the end of the match, and I, I basically had tanked my service game, and then I just kind of slapped away and was able to uh, win that match against my good buddy. And uh, that was just such a, you know, an awesome, an awesome feeling. There's nothing that puts you in the present moment, like cramping and, and actually getting through a match and kind of experience that at 15 uh, with a big crowd, a lot of people watching. Um, it, was, it was something that I had forgotten. Uh, so it's cool that we did this interview because I remember that. And then uh, the funny thing is that uh, 10 years later, I ended up playing Nicholas Meister as a Bakersfield, like a $25,000 future. And we're both around 300 in the world. You know, we're trying to break through. We're both kind of at the tail ends of our career. And I'm in a third set and what do you know, I'm, I'm cramping again 10 years later. So it's like some things just, you know, never change. Um, I think he got me back once, uh, but uh, I was able to win that match as well. And um, just little things like that. You go, what are the odds that I'd be playing this guy 10 years later in a $25,000 tournament? Um, you know, same, same amount of passion, um, same, you know, still cramping, still grinding through it and uh, little things like that. I go, that's, that's kind of, kind of cool. So. Yeah, obviously uh, uh, fun for you to share that with us. And, and again, you had such a cool junior career. Jumping to college now, obviously with your stellar junior career, you had a lot of, a lot of colleges wanting you, uh, wanting you to play for them. As schools such as Ohio State, Kentucky, North Carolina, Alabama, and Florida. We all know you wound up at Illinois being from here. Obviously played a, uh, it's got to be a big, big advantage to the home school trying to get you to play. Was, was being close to home really what won it out for you? Again, you had all those great schools coming after you. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of an interesting thing. I think initially I always thought I wanted to go to a Florida school. I wanted better weather. And I think when I – kind of when I noticed, you know, when I was getting older, I, I didn't really love playing in the heat. I don't, I don't love humid conditions. Um, and I think there are just certain things that um, – well, I thought when I was 15 or 16, yeah, I'm, I, you know, University of Florida was after me pretty hard. Um, I love the, you know, the city of Miami at that age. I thought, oh, man, that'd be so cool to play at Coral Gables. What a nice facility they have. And then uh, as time went on, um, you know, I, it's funny. Kind of when I, when, even when I tell the, my students that I work with now, when we're going to go on these visits, um, a lot of it, it really comes down to feel, you know, how do you feel with, you know, the guys that are on the team? Uh, do you feel like uh, the coach, are you going to, you know, enjoy being with that coach for, you know, almost every single day of your college experience? And, and I think you leave visits uh, with a feeling of like, you know what, that, that really felt like home or that really felt right. And um, I saw the passion from, from Brad and we had an assistant coach at the time who's done great at, at Alabama is George Husak. And, it's like, man, these are, these are great guys. Um, they really, um, they're super ambitious. Um, I saw, you know, how calculated their practices were. And uh, at the time we had Kevin Anderson that just came out of school um, and he was tearing it up on the pro tour. And uh, we still had a top at the time we were, I think we were top, uh, 
coming off a finals NCAA run. Uh, we were still, you know, we were neck and neck with Ohio State. And uh, it was really, you know, it just felt, it just felt right. And, um, and I, you know, I have friends that are always asking, or students that I coach that go, you know, what, what should I do? Is this coach better than this coach? And I say, a lot of these, you know, a lot of these coaches, they're all amazing guys. They're, you know, if you've been doing this for 15, 20 years, you're obviously doing something right. And, um, you know, see how you get along with the team, see how it feels. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you kind of have to go with, with what your heart says. And uh, I'm fortunate that I got lucky. I mean, it worked out for me. And Brad's obviously done an amazing job with the program and they're, they're still going strong. So um, I, no regrets, man. Yeah, I think that's good um, life advice. You know, when you've got so many good choices, right? Uh, to go with your gut, man, you're not going to go wrong with any of those choices because you, like you said, yeah. wherever you picked, it was going to be good. Yeah. But then at, that, at the end of the day, just go with your gut. Yeah. And it's a, it's a good problem to have. It's, those are good, tough choices to have um, throughout life. So obviously it worked out with you, Dennis. I mean, freshman year, Big Ten freshman of the year, saw action at, at top three spots in singles. Sophomore year, you're all Big Ten selection. You finished second on the team with 27 wins, playing primarily at number one. Your junior year, you earned your first career All-American honor, reaching the round of 16 at the uh, NCAAs. You were in unanimous first-team All-Big Ten selection. You twice that year defeated the nation's top-ranked player, Tennessee's John Patrick Smith and Ryan Williams. Um, you reached a career-high ranking of number seven nat um, nationally. Your senior year, you earned your second career All-American honor, um, reach a career high number two in the national singles rankings. Again, reach a round of 16 in both the, the singles and doubles in the NCAAs. Um, obviously had a great college experience. Any, any, uh, any matches, any moments, any good comments about head coaches, assistant coaches you want to throw out there? Uh, you forgot. I final national indoors. Don't forget that. Um, yeah, sorry about that. There are so many, man. I'm gonna. I can't read everything. We don't have enough time. Uh, uh, matches that stick out. So I'd say in college, having that pressure of, uh, you know, you've got all your teammates and you're playing with your best friends, and you know you're playing in front of your home crowd and the last thing that you want to do is lose. You know, you want everyone to be happy. Uh, you want to ride that wave. And uh, I think the most stressful time in college tennis is when, you know, if it's, uh, you have a tied match, it's 3-3. And I would say, I think it was my junior year, I was playing the number one player uh, from Florida at the time. And uh, it came down to us, you know, there I am on court one. And, you know, if you've ever been to an Illinois tennis match, uh, we get a nice, we get a solid crowd. Uh, and so, you know, everyone's watching you and, um, the second set, uh, I ended up losing in a tiebreaker. And I think uh, Alex had hit like five aces. And this guy just played absolutely lights out in this tiebreaker. And now I've got to play an entire set in front of everybody in Atkins. And um, I was able to, I just remember I just had a lot of adrenaline. I just, I got into a zone. I think he got a little tight. And uh, I had some of my best friends uh, cheering me on, you know, they were playing, uh, you know, different instruments, they're banging drums. And um, it was just one of those, those atmospheres uh, in college tennis that you can't really get uh, anywhere else. I guess maybe, um, obviously it's not like playing and I'm sure it's not like playing in Arthur Ashe, but it's just, it's that rowdy environment that is very hard to replace. And um, I ended up winning six zero and uh, clinched. And it was just one of those moments that, you know, you're just never going to forget. And um, that to me is probably, 
you know, my, my highlight. It was just, you know, early match of the season, but just you get put in that environment. And um, let me ask you about that. Let me ask you about that with being a last match on, because we've had, I've talked to a few people about this. Does your mind all of a sudden get like very quiet? Do you kind of block out that noise or are you hearing everything again? You're on your home court. So they're all behind you. Um, in between points, are you just solely focused on you and what Brad is telling you to do? Or do you hear the crowd? Do things slow down? Do things speed up? Does your adrenaline um, just go, be going 100 miles an hour? Kind of describe that moment. Well, look, I, I think that, you know, every experience is different. And fortunately, in that experience, I thought he got a little bit nervous. And I thought there's just absolutely, you know, you, you, you kind of – you know, the adrenaline kicks in and you're literally only, you know, the tennis ball becomes a beach ball and you are only focused on that. You don't want any distractions. You will literally do whatever it takes uh, to win a match. And I've seen that happen, whether it's our six guy uh, or whether, you know, at, at any level, um, I think every tennis player can kind of share that or any, you know, really any sport can share that level of you're in the zone. And it's when I feel like the adrenaline and the pressure ends up working, I guess, in your favor. And, um, and you just feel like, you know, I don't think I missed the ball that whole set. So. <laughs> awesome. No, I, I, it's, it's, it's great to hear you guys talk about what it's like at that moment, because it is very unique. Uh, something like you said, you really can't match even when you play on the higher stages on the professional tour because you just don't have that team atmosphere behind you. So yeah. let's jump into that transition a bit. Competing in college versus competing on the professional tour. Uh, obviously, a definitely, uh, it's definitely a major transition. You played professionally for six years and you had some, some real good success, especially at the Futures and Challenger level. You won six doubles titles, two singles titles. What were the main differences between the level um, when you were competing at college versus competing on the pro tour i think the pro tour um the biggest difference is in college i feel like i could win strictly with my talent like i was going to beat 95 percent of the players because i was a better ball striker or because i was faster um eventually you get on the tour where anybody between i'd say you know, 150 to 450 in the world, um, you could say they're just as athletic as me. Um, you know, maybe they hit the ball just as well as I do. So what's, what's going to separate me um, and, and allow me to be more consistent than, you know, the rest of the pack. Um, and it forced me to, I had to think a little bit more outside the box when I played, when I played pro tennis. So I would say that was a huge, um, and then everyone, everyone has that transition where, you know, guys that maybe dominated in college, you know, that first year or two on tour, they're trying to figure out how to, um, you know, how to be just more, more successful and, and more consistent. So that I actually liked, I like that chase of, of kind of trying to figure out how to, um, how to, you know, take my ranking from, you know, 800 to 400 from 400 to 300. To, you know, I like yeah. that. Let me uh, just, let me just throw this in there too, Dennis. This is, the, this is the first time where your type of level of player is losing early every week. You at your level, yeah. you've been the star man since you've 
basically yeah. first started playing competitively and mentally, I think a lot of guys, they've never experienced it, right? And you're losing first or second round every single week. These guys have never, yeah. ever experienced that in their life. Yeah, I think the I love tennis so much that I I actually liked that kind of that initial learning process of you know kind of dissecting hey why why are these matches not going my way or I was supposed to win that match but what what broke down was it physical was there something uh, was it a strategical issue was it um, you know could I make better decisions and then after you know a couple of years on tour. Um, I would say those kinds of losses, those experiences, they really simplify the game and they, they really simplify what your niche is. And then you, you kind of have to chase, eventually you're, you're now chasing an identity. Like, okay, if I, if I want to be a guy that's top 100, I'm going to have to, you know, my fitness numbers are going to have to be this. My ball control is going to have to be this. And so it becomes less about I'm just going to go out and compete and fight and now it's more like I, I I better own these parts of my game or else it's gonna you know you're just not gonna be able to make it. So um, it's tough, very tough. Uh, you know, I'd say by the end of it, if you don't meet that identity, it's brutal. It's tough to say, man, I put all this energy in it and I maybe not quite where I want it to be. Um, but I shouldn't take away from you know all the great things that that I did as well. Um, oh, I, for sure. I, I miss, look, I, I, I wish the pro circuit was a little bit more of a team environment. I, I, you know, that's what I loved about college tennis. That was one of the things that I missed when I was on tour, that accountability of, you know, you're playing with your friends and, you know, everyone's in it together and, um, pro tennis is, it's a grind. You're kind of, you're on your own a lot of the time. Uh, you don't, you know, you don't have two coaches with you. You don't have six of your best friends with you. And um, it's, uh, it's definitely more of a grind in that sense. Oh, for sure. Uh, thank you for sharing that insight. Really appreciate that. And let's talk about a couple um, highlights in your pro career. I know you really enjoyed playing the Winneka Challenger for several years. Um, you did have some nice crowds for those matches. You being literally 25 minutes away uh, where you grew up from Winneka. Yeah. You also played a guy that people may have heard about, Sasha Zverev, took him to, not yeah. a lot of people can say you took him 7-5 in the third in a match when you and I were talking, we're prepping for this. You said you should have, you had chances and should have won that match. Um, you did play him one year later. It was a little bit more one-sided in Sasha's favor. But, you know, you played guys like Denis Shapovalov. You played guys um, like Tennis Sanger and Francis Tiafo. When you played the, the, the Zverevs, the Shapovalovs, the Tiafos, did you know these guys were special? I mean, even when you played Sasha very tight, 7-5 in the third that first time, were you aware of his name? Did you know he was going to be a superstar? You know, it's funny because obviously I'm playing these guys when they're, when they're on their, their come up, right? So me going through sets with Zverev at 16 was, you know – yeah, I remember what I, what I told you is that at 17, he was a completely different player than what he was at 16. Um, so I felt like I should have beaten him that day. I thought I, I got a little passive and, you know, I could tell that he was very, very good, but I still felt like, you know what, he's 16, I'm 24. 
I'm not gonna lose to this kid that's 16, you know, I was, I'm pretty good at this too. Um, and I think I was up maybe three on the third. I don't know if it was five. I thought I lost six, three. I don't even, I don't know if that score was correct, but I, I just remember that that match slipped away like that. And I thought, geez, how did I let that happen? Um, but I thought, okay, this guy's, he saw he got some game. I, I think he lost the next round uh, to one of my buddies, Ed Corey, uh, was a great player, uh, played for Texas. And I thought, okay, yeah, this guy was pretty good. And there's a, there's a famous coach there, a very well-known coach, I forget what his name was, but he goes, man, that guy's going to be top 10 in the world. And I thought, you know, he was really good. I didn't know if he was going to be top 10. And then when I played him a year later, I thought that was, man, that, that is maybe the best tennis player I've ever played. So just within a year, I went from thinking that I should beat the guy to feeling almost helpless on a court. You know, it's just like there was just no, nowhere safe to hit the ball. And uh, his margins were so high and he's just bashing the ball. And I, his serve was, it was like it was bouncing over my head. I'm like, who is this guy? You know, I felt, uh, so that's when I knew that he was special. I didn't think he was that incredible at 16, but at 17, I was like, okay, this guy's going to, he's going to make it. Um, let me ask you, let me, let me in, let me interject here for a second because we talk about, there are so many levels in the sport and yeah. you know, you played this guy at 16 and you were right there. You play him a year later and you see there's an obvious jump. How deflating is it to, uh, you know, we're, we're talking about you in this situation, but we can go generally. How deflating is it to that individual where, damn, you're pretty freaking good. If you're top 300 in the world, you're amazing yeah. at whatever you do. And then you see a guy like this and you're like, wow, there are multiple levels that I still have to get to, to, to play this type of tennis. It's tough because, you know, obviously, you know, he's in the, the, the top of the world. So he's, what is he top five? He's probably going to win a grand slam. Um, it's weird because, you know, the next match you beat a guy that was hundred in the world, six, one, six, oh. So it wasn't like, you just go in that he's just a freak, you know, there's, there's going to be freaks out there. I don't think you need to be that good to have a successful uh, professional career. Um, but, you know, there are other guys that have done exceptionally well that I played tight. Uh, I played pretty closely. Uh, but I would say, yeah, when you play as a Vera, you know, when I played go Finn, it was like, I felt like I got hit by a truck. I mean, it was like, this guy is like me, but he's faster. We play a long point and he runs up to the line, like nothing happened. And then he serves 120, And it's like, how the heck am I going to beat this guy? You know, it's just, uh, it's just a different level of athletic, that top 10, you know, they're top 10 for a reason. They, they don't lose, you know, and if I lost to go Finn, he beat 42 guys in a row after me. So it wasn't <laughs> like I'm the only guy he's crushing. Um, but yeah, it's a little deflating. It was definitely deflating losing to young guys. It's funny, uh, you know, my dad always said, God, you're so, your record against these young guys is terrible. I'm like, well, <laughs> six, so, you know, losing to Francis Tiafo really is not a bad loss. And, right. and that's the thing about tennis is just, it doesn't matter how old you are. You know, it's just, what, what do you bring to the table? And um, whatever, I mean, I look back and I go, okay, I've got winning records against whatever, Tommy Paul, uh, I've got... You know, Jason Jung's done incredibly well. I was three for four against him. And the time I lost, I had a, the ref missed a call. You know, and there's guys that are 100 in the world that I'd say. Uh, there's a lot of guys between 100 and 200 that I, you know, was had good, solid winning records against. Uh, but I would say that there's a dramatic difference between um, top 10 and, you know, 80 to 200. I mean, it's just yeah. – there's uh, 
different uh, different animal. Kevin Anderson, you know, you play, you go, I can't return a serve. He's six eight. He's returning. He's got great return. You know, how how do you how do you really compete with that? And um, there there's a reason why why they're there. But um, no, it's interesting. No, I appreciate yeah. it. It's so that. it's so cool hearing your insight on this stuff. Yeah. Shabalov as well. Shabalov as well. Just super. You know, that was a guy I played. I go, this guy's gonna make it. You know, I was 25. I'm like, you're serving cannons at 18. Your backhand is, you're basically hitting through my forehand. You know, I mean, you just, you're unpredictable, but um, you kind of know, you get a weird feeling. You go, that that was, you know, this guy's, they're just a little bit different. Um, so it was cool to play those guys for sure. It's so crazy, like you said, and I've heard it a, a million times, you know, that, that difference between 10 and 80 or 10 and 100 is pretty big. But then once yeah. you go 100 to 400, it's nothing. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, so, it's, so small. Maybe they're a little more durable. You know, I, I feel like I could win sets. You know, there are certain guys, obviously there are guys that were, you know, 80 to 150 consistently that you'd say, okay, they were, they were better than me. Uh, they're just more consistent. They had a few more athletic gifts than I did. They're a little more durable. Um, but I still feel like I compete with those guys. Right. Uh, yeah, the top 10, it was like, how long have I been on the court? I, I mean, it's just, different animal, man. Totally different animal. There's no room to breathe. You know, you just feel like you're being suffocated out there. And, um, and that's what makes them unique. It's fun to watch them. You know, that's what makes it fun to watch too. I mean, they're just an incredible, incredible talent, incredible athletes. And, um, and I still, you know, I still enjoy going on YouTube and, and watching some of those guys and say, Hey, I played against those guys and kind of see how they, how they play against Federer or how they play against Nadal. And um, yeah, what I was going to say, super cool. You talk about suffocating tennis. We could even go it up and we can even go up at another level and say, this is how the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, and 10th guy in the world feel when they play against the top three. I mean, that's its own yeah. separate animal. Those top it's, three are, are there should never be in any sport the difference between the top three versus the fourth, fifth, and sixth guy should never be that wide of a margin. And what these top three guys have done um, and create that space between the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and down the line is just ridiculous. Absolutely yeah, ridiculous. It's insane to watch. Um, they're, you know, even watching Djokovic recently, it's like he's just – he's an absolute wall. At four all, 30 all, I mean – you're going to bet for Djokovic. He's not going to get tired. Um, keeps the ball low. You can't really, can't really hurt him. He can do everything. You know, it's just, they mastered the sport and they're just a little bit more athletic than everybody else. And um, it's unique. Uh, definitely unique to see. I, at when Sampras retired, it was like, man, I, I don't think anyone's going to ever play like Sampras. Now we've had these three guys that have just, made him look uh, almost look normal it's, it's crazy so it is crazy so when you were done playing um we noticed that you you did some coaching and which is you know often a natural transition with someone at your skill level and having as much success as you had um, you did some coaching i know you helped your brother out a little bit at smu was coaching something that you you initially thought you may have wanted to do um, for a, for a long career or was it something that okay I know I'm good at this I know I can share and offer you know some pretty good knowledge here while I f kind of figure out what I want to do with the rest of my life yeah I I think it's a little bit more of the latter I mean I think when I stopped playing I just turned 28 and I was kind of like 
you know, there's that element when you've had a single goal, you know, I felt like I kind of had a single goal my entire life. And I, I was constantly chasing, you know, becoming a better tennis player and, and I'm chasing points and I'm trying to climb this ranking to, you know, what is, you know, what is my goal now? What is, what is that next step? And everybody in life has that, that kind of time where, you know, they're, they're trying to basically kind of find themselves. And I'd say for me, uh, naturally, I felt like I had a lot to offer with tennis, with my experiences, with my knowledge that it was a bit of a no brainer to uh, jump into it right away, especially if I don't really know what I want to do next. And uh, was I had the opportunity to basically help out my older brother in South Carolina, help out the women's team there. And I think at the time, I, we had an unbelievable run. We were like 10 and 0 in the SEC. And we were, you know, good spirits, and it was really, really a great experience uh, to to kind of uh, ride that wave. And uh, my older brother, um, he's done such an exceptional job at the college level. He's been such a great leader. He's got so much passion. Um, he's really, he's got a lot of momentum. So for me at that stage to, to be around him and to be around a program, uh, that was really supportive, I would say, uh, w was an excellent decision. Uh, with that being said, I felt like I kind of needed to maybe take my own path, you know, go on my own path a little bit, uh, kind of just get away, um, just get away. And um, I decided to go to go to Orlando and uh, was, had some clients there. And I, I started my own basically private tennis academy. Uh, I had no overhead. I was, I was at public courts, but I had a, I had a great group of, um, great group of players and, um, you know, met a lot of great people in that community and was able to, you know, ask a lot of questions, meet with a lot of people. And, and, and they kind of helped me basically try to navigate, uh, as much as I helped them, I was able to kind of find a, find a path to at least try to navigate outside of tennis as well. And, uh, as much as I love tennis and I still, Think about tennis, still play tennis, you know, a, a solid amount. Uh, I think it was time for me to just take take a break and 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 try something new and, and kind of go on a go on a new chase. I think I realized I I loved playing tennis uh, at least at that time a lot more than than coaching. And you know, people change in life. Maybe in five six years, I go, man, I really miss tennis. Or you know, you, you never know. So I always keep my options open. But um, uh, yeah, nothing but nothing but positive positive vibes uh for that yeah yeah so i mean just to just to clarify you helped your brother at south carolina then he recently moved over to yes yeah, so, yeah, so he's at smu um yeah. and he's you know he's taken over that program uh well deserved uh south carolina um you know they, they did an unbelievable job they've been ranked you know top 10 for many years and um you know, I'm just super excited for him. Everywhere he goes, whether it's on the men's side or the women's side, um, there's something about my older brother, man. People like my brother. Um, <laughs> well, so, so I will say this, Dennis, before we wrap up. I mean, I know your, your full-time occupation right now is outside the tennis industry, but with all that you have to offer, I know you still enjoy hitting a lot, but I hope you never um, – get tennis out a hundred percent out of your life, which I don't think you will. And you'll always be able to offer your expertise, share your experiences, whether it's hitting with friends or whether it's um, helping some, some juniors out, navigate their path. You have so much to offer. So um, yeah. again, be before we conclude, I just hope uh, you always have that uh, in your life and you'll always offer that up. Yeah, absolutely.
Absolutely. Um, tennis gave me a lot. I've had, you know, multiple coaches that have, you know, helped me a lot through a lot of different stages of my life. And um, whether it be, you know, a kid trying to make his high school team or a kid that's asking me questions about, you know, different colleges and how we should go about the process. I'm always willing to, to give up my knowledge and help any way I can. It'd be selfish for me not to to try to, you know, pass along uh, any of that knowledge. And um, like I say, you know, I'm currently uh, at East Bank Club, uh, still trying to coach, uh, you know, part-time when I can, and um, still trying to play, you know, on a weekend, if I can get a set or two in uh, for fun to kind of, uh, you know, relive the kind of leisurely side of the game, um, I'm, I'm all for it. So, um, yeah, can't, uh, super, super thankful for the opportunities and, if I can continue to help anybody in the tennis community, uh, that's what I'm going to try to do. So, Awesome, Dennis. Thank you so much, man. This was, this was fun. It was truly insightful. I appreciate you sharing uh, your time and experiences. And, uh, hey, man, best of luck going forward. This was fun. Yeah, thanks, David. I appreciate it. It's fun to talk about. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon.